Amen. Good morning, Calvary. How are you? Everybody got the shirt that says, I survived Polar Vortex 2019? <laughs> it was a cold week. Looking forward to better weather ahead. If you haven't been with us because of the weather or if you uh, have been out of town, I want to catch you up. We're doing a three-month series in which we're walking through the book of First Peter. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. But leading up into today, what we've really been talking about, the idea is that God came God has given us this gift of an inheritance of a relationship with Him. And that relationship is an inheritance that we receive not just in the next life, but in this life as well. And that is huge because it should change the way that we live. And, and, and it, it, when we understand that, it, it'll shape our dynamics. It'll shape the way that we live. And, and the result of that is, is that we long to be in the presence of God. In order to maintain the presence of God, we have to be obedient to what He calls us to do. That's why we have the saying right here, followers making followers of Jesus. In order to be a follower of Jesus, you have to follow what He says to do. That's where you'll find peace, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. That's where your life will be um, uh, free, and you'll find the abundance of them. But the problem with that is, we don't always understand what that looks like. We also don't always approach obedience with the proper attitude. I don't know how you came into church today. Some of you probably came to church because it was Sunday morning. That's what we do. Some of you came with the mindset of Super Bowl tonight. I'm thinking about the Super Bowl. I'm thinking about all the food I'm going to eat. I worked out yesterday. I'm going to work out tomorrow. I already know the exact proportion I'm going to have. Some of you are like, bring it on, right? Some of you are like, I just don't want the Patriots to win. Some of you are like, you know, I wish the Saints were in. By the way, the forecast in Atlanta, have y'all hear the forecast in Atlanta? It was sunny with no breeze. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> too soon, too soon. Some of you don't get that. That's okay. Um, but the reality is we, we get distracted. Some of you are like, would you hurry up? I'm going to try to make the, the noon uh, tip off of the Purdue game. And I, I get all of that. But I, I wonder if you came today to encounter the presence of God. I wonder if we, we really came with the right attitude. And as uh, Peter shifts his, his passage here, he, he shifts from the idea of we have this inheritance and the inheritance that we receive will lead us to obedience. It basically comes to the place where he says obedience without the right attitude, well, is destructive to you, to others, and to the gospel message. And the reality is we live in an angry society. We blame everyone else because we're not happy. We blame the guy down the road. We blame the, the person up the street. We blame the pastor for preaching too long. We blame the pastor for preaching too short. We blame the music for being too loud. We, we, we do this in church. We do it at work. We, the guy down the street has made me mad, and so he put his garbage out, and they left it out there, and all this stuff, and it ruined my happiness. And, and this is how our society functions. But here's what I want you to see. Your attitude is your choice. And as Christians, we are to have an attitude that chases after the characteristics of God. 1 Peter 2, 11-12 says this, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles. When you see the word Gentiles there, think of the people who aren't in the church. Conduct yourselves honorably among those who aren't in the church so that when you, they slander you as evildoers, you will observe your, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. 
In other words, I want you to see that the people in this world are, are going to look at you sometimes as Christians, and they're going to sit there and they go, oh, you look at you, look at what you're doing. But I want you to not be shaped by what they say and think of you. In fact, what he says there, I want you to conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles by abstaining from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Did you get that? I want you to abstain from the sinful things that that drive you, that motivate you, that are about you, so that your attitude will be proper as you face the conflict in this world. It's you we're trying to deal with. This message is not for the neighbor. This message is not for the one down the road. It's, It's not for your spouse. Elbow, elbow. It's for you. You choose your attitude. But we do it in recognizing that that's a a difficult place to be as Christians. Why? Because we're strangers and exiles. I urge you as strangers and exiles. And at first glance, these look like the same words, but they're actually slightly different. A stranger is one who lives in a foreign place without rights or privileges. A stranger is a person who lives in a foreign place without rights or privileges. An exile is one who lives in a place that is not his or her permanent home. So, Let me explain to you like this. A Cliff Notes version of the definition of a stranger is a person who is not accepted by the society they're living in. Think of like a refugee. But an exile is a person who is not connected with the society. And we as the church practice this a lot. We practice both of these extremes. We practice one extreme of, well, they don't look like us, talk like us, so we're not going to accept them, right? Or we practice with it, we're going to walk to church, but we don't really want to connect with people. I understand that because many of you know I'm a Texan proud Texan, right? And I actually uh, don't tell a lot of people this, but I actually graduated high school in Lawton, Oklahoma. Spent a year, a little over a year there in Lawton, Oklahoma. And when I went to Lawton, Oklahoma to graduate my senior year, I basically had this attitude, not going to happen. Not going to get to know people. I can tell you um, like 20-something years later, the names of five people, maybe, that I graduated high school with. Five. I can name you a bunch of people I graduated with. Why? Because I saw myself as an exile. (laughs) I'm not going to connect with these people. I'm not going to be here long enough. What's the point? And I think sometimes that's the way we view church, but that's the way we view society. But as Christians, we have to recognize we are strangers and we are exiles. In other words, we are in this world, but we are not to be of it. And so we sit there and we go, I don't understand how this looks because I either want to immerse myself in society and chase after the thing that society has, or we go to the other extreme and we go, I'm going to pull back and I'm not going to care about the guy at the gas station. I'm not going to care about the bank teller. I'm not going to care about the, the teacher. I'm not going to care about anybody else but the people who walk like me, talk like me, and go to church and say amen after they pray. And Peter here is saying, you're not getting it. We have to figure out how to live as strangers and exiles, how to live by people who are not necessarily connected with everybody because we have a, a different part of our, the way we function, a different focus, but we also have to not be so withdrawn that we don't relate to people. We got to have an understanding. So he says, conduct yourselves honorably. Live in this world because disciples look like Jesus and they realize there's a cost, but at the same time, blend in, but stand out. <laughs> How are you doing? So the next four weeks, we're covering this. The next four weeks, we're talking about this attitude that's going to pervade different parts of our society. And this week's topic, brace yourself, 
is on how we view it as Christians with the government. Bum, bum, bum. Everybody's favorite topic, right? You're supposed to talk about religion and government all the time, right? Politics, it's fun. No, it's not. Um, but we're going through this, and I think there's some really good points here. And he goes and he says in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17, it says this, Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. So submit yourselves as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, and honor the emperor. Now, when we view the way we view government, churches have typically taken two stances. One stance is, I'm going to tell you how to vote, and as a, a pastor, I'm going to tell you this is what you should vote on and this is what you should do, okay? The other extreme is, which is more in the camp that I've fallen into, is sitting there going, I don't really want to go into politics, so I'm not going to talk about it much. <laughs> and good luck, have fun figuring out what you should vote for and who you should vote for, right? But what I've learned is there's this conference called Q Conference, and they talk about how the church should immerse itself in culture. There's seven channels that shape our culture. Let me explain it to you like this way. The church should shape the way you view culture. Whether you're in church or not, it should. Other ones, government will shape the way you view your culture. The media will shape the way you view your culture. Science will shape the way you view your culture. Um, education will shape the way you view your culture. Entertainment will shape the way you view culture. There's one more I can't remember off the top of my head. But there's seven channels of culture, and these help us determine how our society functions as a, as a world. In our society, six channels of culture are proactive and one is reactive. You want to guess which one's reactive? It's the church. Oh, I don't like the way it's going. Let's react and go over here. And that's a dangerous place to be because then we're not being proactive. And so what he's saying here, Dave Lyons is the one who says it, our Gabe Lyons. And he says, I want you to understand this. In the absence of the church accurately talking about how the church should react to the government, People in our society are fleeing the church and are looking to their politicians as their religious outlet. In other words, my hope is in my political party. My hope is in the next elected official to bring me peace. My hope is that if I can get this agenda happen, that my life will be better. And we as followers of Jesus know that no matter what government official is in charge, we will not find our hope in the government. Our hope is in the Lord. And we have to understand that as we look at the government, our job and our obligation isn't to be a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or whatever. It is to be a follower of Jesus. And it's okay to Align yourself with the political party. But if you put your hope and your salvation in the political party, you will ultimately always be disappointed. Probably not a lot of amens in that, but maybe should. Because our God is bigger than the government. Because our God is bigger than the government, Peter says this. We are to recognize that the government would not be in control if God did not allow it. See, that's a harsh statement. But that's really what Peter's saying. Does that mean that God allowed, uh, you know, Hitler to be in charge? Well, I guess. 
And that's a hard thing to understand. But let me put it to you like this. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that in the most oppressive governments in the world, God is glorified. In the most oppressive governments that that has ever existed and will ever exist, God is glorified. When Peter is writing this, it's not soon after this that Nero, who was the emperor, would take Christians and tie them up on stands and light them as human torches to light 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 the streets at night in Rome. And he's saying, honor the government. They're like, what? How? Why? I don't get it. But what he's saying there is we have to understand that no matter what happens, I think that through depravity of certain officials, through God allows people to make choices and and God allows things, God ultimately designed us for dignity, but through depravity, God is still going to be glorified. You need a case in point? Look in China. In China today, the government is trying to suppress religion and the church is flourishing. House churches are being told, don't gather. And they're going, okay, we're still going to gather. And the gospel is spreading. It's not contingent on what the the national leader is saying. It's contingent on the gospel moving. And in some of the most horrific stories through World War II of what Nazi Germany did, the gospel was still told and lives were changed. God is still on his throne no matter what the government is, whether it's good or bad. And God's going to use that government for his glory if we can just trust it. So as we follow God, we are to honor the government. But there's more. We are to submit to the government. Spoiler alert, submission is going to be a theme of our attitude in the next four weeks. When we think of submissions, we go, I don't want to submit. Who wants to submit? I don't like submitting because submitting means I'm not in control. But what is submission not? Submission is not blind obedience. The government told me to put my hand in the light socket. Okay. <laughs> the government told me to jump off a cliff. Okay. No, it's not. That's not what we're asking it to do. The submission is not turning off your brain. Aren't you glad you could still think and vote and care? And submission is not going against the things of God. But what submission truly is, is practicing grace-filled respect. Respect means I'm going to respect the fact that that person was made in the image of God. That the, every single person that has ever walked the planet, God carefully counted the number of hairs on their head or absence of hairs on their heads, right? And he knew their fingerprint and made it and gave them a personality and, and gave them a purpose. Now, whether they walked with that or not, that's up to them and their calling. But God made that person to have dignity, but depravity walked in. And when Jesus came, he didn't come to sit there and go, I just came for you and those people over in depravity. Well, shame on you. No, he came for them as well. He came for the the most heinous person. He came for the abuser, the rapist. He came for the people in our prisons. That's why I saw this last week. A church planted a new church and they planted it inside a prison. Praise the Lord. That's where the church needs to go. Because we're broken And we are in desperate need of God. And if God can move in the prisons, then maybe, just maybe, he can work in the government. So you're like, I don't know if I should say it or not. Maybe, just maybe, God is going to do something miraculous. And maybe he needs us to be faithful in obedience to be able to have that happen.
So how do we do that? Well, I want to say this. Submission means that we are to practice grace-filled respect. In other words, they're not always going to be great. But what it's saying is we should obey when we can. Or in other words, we, should, we are to stand out through obedience and occasionally our civil disobedience. Let me cover the first part of that. We are to stand out through our obedience. We used to be in what we call the bell curve as a society. A bell curve, for those of you who remember uh, the way you, you do testing, a bell curve is like this. In the middle is where the majority is. So 80s are, you know, that's, that's the bell curve. Not the 1980s, but if you've got like an 80s, a B average. So what's happened is in the last 20 years, our society has gone to a well curve. A well curve means that the extremes are where the majority of people are, and there's very few people in the middle. So where do you view, what's your view on this issue? I'm over here, I'm over here, and everybody else is wrong, and there's no middle to articulate. From a socioeconomic status, we're going more and more to a, a well curve. The poverty and the rich, there's no middle class. From an education standpoint, we're going to the very educated and the very uneducated. There's no middle ground. And what's happening is over and over and over again, we're going to extremes. And what happens is when we do that, we polarize. And when we polarize, we sit on a, a, a corner and go, my issue's real important and you're wrong. You're an idiot for believing this. And they're like, no, I, you're not even looking at my viewpoint. And there's no one to articulate a caring, compassionate middle ground. And what ends up happening is then all of a sudden people become evil or good. And when the person becomes evil, then nothing they do ever is good. And we as Christians are to recognize that we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Some of you will know that phrase, and some of you don't. Ask your mom and dad later if you don't. But the idea of throwing the baby out with the bathwater is saying that no person is inherently so evil that they never have a good idea. And Peter here is saying that we recognize that when we can be obedient, we should. In other words, we are not to demonize, villainize, talk bad, hello Facebook, all the time of the government. We are not to talk bad of other people. We are, in fact, called to love and encourage and lift up. And when we can be civil, we will be civil. When we get pulled over by a police officer, we were probably in the bad. We will be civil. We will do what we are supposed to do with the law as long as we could. Hello, taxes. I don't want to pay taxes. No one asked you, right? I'd say that you get the burly blunt, Daniel. I go, I don't, I don't like taxes either. We're not going to cheat on our taxes. Why? Because that's what the world does. That's not who we are. We're not going to live our life in extremes. We are going to point people and stand out saying, you know what? I may not like this person, but I'm going to be faithful when I can. And when I can't, I'm going to be civil. It's February. Black History Month. I, I think of Dr. Martin Luther King and how we propelled our society. That when something is unjust and unjust, we take a stand. But our loyalties aren't to politicians, they're to issues. Our loyalties shouldn't be to parties. They should be to the, the issues that propel our society to come to an understanding that we were made with dignity. I like what Russell Moore said, and this may be a little meddling. And so uh, I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm just going to say it. But we are fools if we don't think that the abortion issue and racial injustice are united. 
We are fools if we don't realize that both of them are involved in the oppression of those who can be oppressed. We are fools if we don't point people to the fact that God loves us all. And so we as Christians will practice obedience when we can't, but when we can't, we'll practice civil disobedience, like Miss Rosa Parks. I don't really want to get off the back of the bus. I'm not doing anything violent. I'm not saying anything mean. I'm just taking my silent civil stand to evoke a change. It worked, right? You notice what she didn't do? Let's go get a Molotov cocktail and throw it into a building and set it on fire. Let's go get our guns and shoot everybody. Let's, let's, let's make a huge campaign where we try to say everybody is awful. No, I will show love and respect, but I will do it with dignity pointing to the hope that is coming. So we are obedient when we can, but we will practice civility when we can. So how do we do that? Because that's easier said than done. Well, I love this because this is like the easiest passage in the world to preach. Because Peter tells us, okay? So look at verse 17. We're going to get to some applications point. Here's the first point. Honor everyone. Who? Everyone. Okay, but can you describe who that is? Everyone. Like everyone? Yes. Well, how do you honor them? You don't cut them down. You don't say negative things. You don't attack. You don't throw verbal bombs. You don't gossip behind their backs. You don't malign them or try to find people and make your worth better than theirs. In fact, honoring requires submitting. Honoring requires a posture where you're lifting that person up and recognizing that they were made in the image of God. So whether that is the president of our United States, the, the leader of North Korea, or the guy down the street who's homeless, I'm going to honor them. It doesn't mean I agree with them. It doesn't mean I'm going to blindly say, that person is awesome. In fact, I can say, I disagree with them, but I respect the fact that they have opinions and beliefs, and I will articulate the differences I have based on the gospel message that is alive within me. That was a good one to amen, too. I'm going to honor everyone, and then I'm going to love my brothers and sisters. This is where I think a lot of times it breaks down. Because brothers and sisters, honor everyone requires church, non-church, but loving brothers and sisters, he's saying to the church, church, you can't stand out in the world because you don't even love each other. You don't, you don't get along. And so when you walk into this place, the church should be a sanctuary. And I get that that word is used different ways, but I mean a safe haven from the depravity of this world. And the problem is we still have a lot of sin and we still have a lot of struggles. But when you walk in here, I don't care if you're six foot ten or one inch tall. I don't care if you're black, white, or anything else. Purple. I don't care where you were yesterday or where you'll be tomorrow. I want you to know that God loves you. And we as a church are going to love you. And yeah, we're going to disagree at times. Why? We're human beings. 
But we're going to love, and when we disagree, we're going to look to the Bible, and we're going to pray, and we're going to reconcile. But we will not let animosity, we will not let discord, we will not let disunity ever rise up in our midst. Because we want the world, when they come in here, to go, I don't know what it is about these people. They seemingly are a, a weird conglomeration of engineers, international students, people with tattoos, and people who basically know how to read everything, and people who have zero education. But they all get along, and I don't understand how they can do that, because I can't get along with my brother. And they go, I want to have what they have. And we go, you know what? I couldn't get along with every, all these people because some of them are weird and some of them are awesome. And then there's this weird, weird guy on the stage who talks and when people listen, I don't understand why they do that. But the reality is God is in the midst and God's love for them changes the way that they love me. And I hope that if you walk out of here, you feel more than anything else that you are loved by the people in this room. If you're not, we need to work on it. And the reality is if there's somebody in this room that you're not in love with, and I mean getting along with, if you have animosity, bitterness, or discord in your heart, then you need to reconcile that because the enemy will use that to destroy us and the gospel message. And then we fear God. This doesn't mean just give God reverence. It means fear God. In Proverbs, the Bible says fear is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of God is the fear of God's hand going, God's blessing, God's peace, love, joy, kindness, patience, gentleness, self-control, the evidence of the fruits of the Spirit as it's found in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit alive in you. And if that doesn't mean much to you, it means something like this. It means that God's relationship, the relationship you have with God is so alive through your obedience and through your attitude and coming to Him that you find an overwhelming sense of freedom of peace, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, and faithfulness. You're not full of animosity. You're not full of bitterness, strife, worry, anxiety. Because Jesus has come in and, and, and changed your life and His Spirit is dwelling in you and you find hope there. And when we don't have the proper attitude and when we aren't obedient, what we're really doing is we're saying, Spirit, I want to squash you down. Spirit, I don't want to listen. I don't want that freedom. I don't want that joy. I don't want that peace. I want to do it my way. And the problem with your way is it always leads to destruction. The way to find the peace, love, joy is to abandon yourself and be obedient, allowing God's hand to cover you. I fear, I fear losing my connection with God. Not, I'm, talking, I'm not talking eternal salvation, but I'm, I fear Becoming a person who just walks through the motions, missing the power of what God has for us. And ultimately, that brings me back to a posture of submission where I go, God, I need you. And when I do that, what I ultimately do is I, I look up because I've been on my knees going, God, I'm, I'm so unworthy. And then all of a sudden I realize everybody else around me is in the same way. And I, I'm lifting them up because I've made myself low. And I realize but this life isn't about getting ahead of the guy down the street. It's not about finding everybody else and using everybody else. It's not about getting advanced. It's ultimately about helping people see that you and I were all made with dignity. And we need Jesus. And then finally he says, Honor the emperor. I don't want to. Right. Honor the emperor does not, once again, mean you have to agree with everything the emperor says. Whether that's a governor, a president, or as we'll talk about in the next few weeks, a boss at work, or whatever. But it means you give them the respect they deserve. 
So let me give you some applications for this because it's easy to talk about and hard to do. If you want to screenshot this, that's great. Monday morning application, a way to practice is to honor everyone. A simple way to practice honoring everyone is to get to know someone that you would not normally get to know. The person down the street who is so young that you think they wouldn't relate to you. Or the person down the street who is so um, wise that you wouldn't think that they'd want to get to know you. The person of the different cultural background. The person of the different socioeconomic status. Someone that you wouldn't just walk up to and go, hey, we're going to be best friends. Get to know them and see the beauty of who they are and made in the image of God. Love your brother and sister. If there's a disagreement with someone in your life who's a follower of Jesus, then you need to reconcile it. Maybe you need to do it through an email. Maybe you need to pray. I'm not saying everybody should go do it immediately. You need to pray about the right way to do it, but you should not be angry or bitter towards people. We need to be a place that's love. Fear God. Which basically, I'm asking you to pay careful attention to what you, God wants you to do and then do it. Say, I don't want to go and meet with somebody else. I would rather just stay angry. Well, then you're not fearing God. You need to fear God's hand coming off you and the presence of the Holy Spirit and the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit thriving in your life. And then honor the emperor. Pray for your leaders by name. <laughs> you know what we generally do? We don't like the, the leaders. We say, vote the bum out, Right? Why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Maybe you vote them out, but let's pray for them first. Pray for them by name. Why? Because it's hard to stay angry with someone that you're praying for. And if you love them, pray for them. If you don't love them, pray for them. But let's not be a church that's driven by our hope being placed in the government. Our hope is in Jesus. Amen? Finally, I would say to you, if you don't understand all this and you're like, why would we do this? What's the point? I want you to understand very clearly what the gospel is about. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. And we believe that God looked down in our world and he said, I love you. We believe God cared for you, everybody. And he said, I want you to know that you were made with dignity. But somewhere along the line, you messed up. It's called sin. Sin literally means missing the mark. It's an archery turn. You missed the bullseye. You did what you wanted to do and you thought that was the right path, but you found that it wasn't. That's called sin. And that separated you from God, but God didn't leave you there. Instead, the Father sent His Son Jesus to live a perfect life. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him would live forever and have everlasting life. The Bible says in Romans that if you confess with your mouth Jesus the Lord, and repent and believe in your heart that He was raised from the dead, and you can be saved. What does, that, what does that mean? It means God came and sent His Son Jesus who is still alive to have a relationship with you. Say, I don't know what that looks like. We want to help you. We have a next step space out there. We'd love to talk with you. But it basically just says, God, I'm, I'm tired of trying to do it my way. It's leading to destruction. Now I want to submit to you. So come into my life and bring me back into a relationship with you. If you would do that, that's where the gospel starts to thrive. That's where the world begins to change. That's where the government begins to change. Not by us voting in the right people, but by getting people to know Jesus who then be, will be voted into office. Make sense? Well, let's chase after Jesus. Let's stop being hate-filled, angry-filled people if you are. And let's replace it with the good news of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guys, I love you. I believe great days are ahead. We have to love each other. 
live in this world as aliens and strangers while pointing people to the good news of Jesus Christ. So Father, move in our lives. Teach us what it means to abandon ourselves. God, help us to repent when we need to, whether it's been anger towards our government or whether it's been um, blind obedience to a government. Whether it's anger towards people in this room or, or blaming everyone else for our attitude. God, help us to to give our attitudes to you, to submit our attitude to you and fill us with the fruits of the Spirit, the peace, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, and faithfulness and self-control that you promise. God, may we be beacons of hope in a dark world, caring, compassionate, loving. In your holy name we pray.